Hello, I am Dr. Deepa Nair, a POSH trainer and consultant from Hyderabad and in this session I am going to discuss about POSH at workplace, an important topic which may be useful for employers, employees, IC members, students and all others who are involved in the implementation of the POSH Act. <coughs> all of you are aware that in 2013, the Government of India had notified the Sexual Harassment of Women at Workplace Act along with the rules collectively known as the POSH laws. Consistent with the Vishaka judgment, the Act aims to ensure a safe and secure environment for women free from sexual harassment by preventing, prohibiting and redressing instances of sexual harassment at the workplaces. It is important to note that this Act provides a civil remedy to women and is in addition to other laws that are currently in force. Any woman who wishes to report instances of sexual harassment at the workplace has the right to take recourse of both civil and criminal proceedings. The POSH Act is applicable to every workplace, establishment, company or organization including the NGOs employing 10 or more employees irrespective of its location or nature of industry and applies to both organized and the unorganized sectors. It also includes all workplaces whether owned by Indian or foreign companies having a place of work in India. The Act protects only women and is not gender neutral. That means a male employee who is a victim of sexual harassment at the workplace is not entitled to invoke this law and rather he must rely on company policies that prohibit harassment of any nature. However, many organizations are coming out with gender neutral policies in order to ensure an equal representation of the workforce. A workplace has been defined as any place visited by the employee arising out of or during the course of employment, including transportation provided by the employer for undertaking such a journey. So any place where working relationship and or employer-employee relationship between the company and the person exists. The Act defines an aggrieved woman as a woman of any age, whether employed or not, who has been subjected to sexual harassment. So the woman need not be only an employee. She can even be a student or a customer or a visitor or a domestic worker who feels sexually harassed at any workplace can claim protection under the Act. Now, sexual harassment is any unwelcome act or behavior that compromises physical, emotional and financial safety and security of a woman worker. It includes sexually colored remarks, physical contact and advances, showing pornography, any demand or request for sexual favors or any other unwelcome physical, verbal or non-verbal conduct being sexual in nature. So the key elements of workplace sexual harassment are that it is sexual, unwelcome and the experience is subjective, which means conduct that many men consider unobjectionable may offend many women. Men who are rarely victims of sexual harassment tend to view some forms of sexual harassment as harmless social interactions while women may perceive an underlying threat of violence. It is the impact and not the intent that matters and it almost always occurs in the matrix of power. It is possible that a woman may experience a single instance of sexual harassment or a series of incidents over a period of time. It is also important to remember that each case is unique and should be examined in its own context and according to the circumstances as a whole. Generally, workplace harassment refers to two common forms of inappropriate behavior. One, quid pro quo, which means this for that. Any implied or explicit promise of preferential or 
detrimental treatment in her employment or any implied or explicit threat about her present or future employment status and two hostile work environment creating a hostile intimidating or an offensive work environment or any humiliating treatment likely to affect her health or safety the act provides for two kinds of complaint mechanisms one is the internal committee at the organizational level and local committee at the district level every workplace that has a minimum of 10 employees shall mandatorily set up an ic with women constituting at least half of the ic's members a minimum of 4 members are required to constitute an ic the ic's key mandate is to oversee the implementation of the organization's posh policy by ensuring a work environment free of sexual harassment and providing an effective redressal mechanism for any complaints of sexual harassment against women the ic shall comprise of a senior level women employee as a chairperson or presiding officer a minimum of two employees committed to the cause of women and another member from a ngo or an association dedicated to women's welfare or who is well versed with issues concerning sexual harassment it is important to note that where an employer or organization has multiple locations with each location having 10 or more personnel it is mandatory to set up an ic in each of such location the term of ic members shall not exceed 3 years and a minimum of 3 members including the chairperson are required to conduct an investigation into any complaint similarly the district officer will constitute a local committee in every district to enable women in the unorganized sector or small establishments to work in an environment free of sexual harassment the local committee receives complaints from women working in the organization having less than 10 workers or when the complaint is against the employer himself and from domestic workers now let us discuss the grievance redressal process the aggrieved woman or the complainant is required to file the complaint with the ic in writing within 3 months from the date of the incident of sexual harassment or if there are a series of incidents then 3 months from the date of the last incident of sexual harassment If the complaint is made beyond three months of the incident, then reasons for the delay has to be recorded in writing. The IC has the sole discretion to grant extensions up to adi- three additional months if the circumstances are justified. Further, if the aggrieved woman suffers from any physical or mental incapacity, including death, owing to which she is unable to file the complaint, then her legal heir or co-worker or a relative or a friend or any person who has the knowledge of the incident. with the written consent is permitted to make the complaint on behalf of the aggrieved woman the written complaint should contain a description of each incident or incidents it should include relevant dates timings and locations name of the respondents along with all the evidence and a list of witnesses and the working relationship between the parties if required the person designated to manage the workplace sexual harassment shall provide assistance in writing of the complaint if the complainant seeks it for any reason on receipt of the complaint within 7 days the ic shall issue a notice to the respondent along with a copy of the complaint the respondent shall file his reply to the complaint along with his list of documents and names and addresses of witnesses within a period not exceeding 10 working days from the date of receipt of the documents the first step in the grievance redressal process is the conciliation The IC may before initiating an inquiry and at the request of the aggrieved woman take steps to settle the matter between her and the respondent through conciliation. However, no monetary settlement shall be made as a basis of the conciliation. If conciliation is reached, then the IC shall record the proceedings 
and provide copies of settlement to the aggrieved woman and respondent and to the employer and no further inquiry shall be conducted. There are many cases where complainants claim they have been asked for conciliation by the IC and management and that has caused tremendous trauma to the victims. There have been several debates also that the provision of conciliation should be done away with as sexual harassment is not a dispute that can be resolved with the settlement. Maybe we may have certain amendments coming up in the future. If conciliation fails or is not possible, then the IC will inquire into the complaint and give both parties a chance to be heard and complete the inquiry within 90 days. During the inquiry process of being heard, neither party will be allowed to bring their lawyer. After the inquiry is completed, the IC will have to prepare an inquiry report giving recommendations on the matter within 10 days and give a copy of the same to the employer and the concerned parties. The employer will have to act on the recommendations within 60 days. For the purpose of inquiry, the ICC has similar powers of a civil court. It can summon and enforce attendance of any person, examine him on oath, order production of documents, etc. All offences under the Act are non-cognizable. The Act also provides certain interim reliefs to the complainant pending inquiry. The IC may at the written request of the complainant transfer the complainant or respondent to any other workplace or grant leave to the aggrieved woman for up to three months in addition to her entitled leave, or shall restrain the respondent from reporting on the work performance or writing any confidential report in relation to the aggrieved woman, or restrain the respondent from supervising academic activities of the aggrieved woman should the aggrieved woman be a part of an educational institution. During the inquiry, if the allegation against the respondent is proven, then the complaints committee shall recommend the employer to take action in accordance with the service rules. And where no service rules exist, then recommended action may include disciplinary action including a written apology, a warning, reprimand or censure, withholding of promotion, withholding of pay rise or increments, terminating the respondent from service or undergoing a counselling session or carrying out a community service. The IC may also recommend financial damages to the complainant and while deciding the amount, they shall take into consideration the mental trauma, pain, suffering and emotional distress caused to the woman, the medical expenses incurred if any, the loss of career opportunity in case she loses her job and the income and financial status of the respondent is also considered and the feasibility of such payment in lump sum or in installments. If the allegation against the respondent is not proved, then no action will be taken and the IC will have to assess whether the charges are false or malicious. If the complaints committee arrives at the conclusion that the allegation against the respondent is malicious or the aggrieved woman or any other person making the complaint has made the complaint knowing it to be false or has produced any forged or misleading documents, it may recommend to the employer to take action against the woman or the person who has made the complaint. However, it is important to note that a mere inability to substantiate a complaint or provide adequate proof need not attract action against the complainant as being false or malicious. Further, if any witness has given false evidence or produced any forged or misleading document, then the IC may recommend the employer to take action against the witness also. If the complainant or the respondent is not satisfied by the recommendations of the IC or non-implementation of such recommendations, then they may go for an appeal to the next appellate authority, the tribunal or court within 90 days of the recommendations. The Act also prohibits the publication or of making known the contents of a complaint, the identity and addresses of the complainant, respondent and witnesses 
and any information pertaining to the enquiry proceedings or recommendations of the IC. Any breach of confidentiality will result in specific consequences, including a penalty of rupees five thousand to be collected by the employer. The Act prescribes certain key obligations of the employer. It is the duty of the employer to provide a safe working environment for women at the workplace, and to display on the notice board the penal consequences of sexual harassment and the order constituting the IC. shall also organize workshops and awareness programs at regular intervals for sensitizing the employees regarding the provisions of the act and orientation program for the members of the ic provide necessary facilities to the ic or lc for dealing with the complaint and conducting an enquiry provide assistance to the woman if she chooses to file a complaint under the ipc or any other law or to initiate action under the ipc or any other law against the perpetrator He shall treat sexual harassment as a misconduct under the service rules and initiate action for such misconduct, and monitor the timely submission of reports by the IC. Penalty for non-compliance has also been prescribed in the Act. If an employer fails to constitute an IC within his organization, such employer can be punished with a fine of rupees fifty thousand. In case of subsequent conviction for failing to constitute IC. penalty can be doubled and in certain cases the act also provides that license or registration of such employer to do business may be cancelled it is mandatory for the ic to prepare in each calendar year an annual report and submit it to the employer and the local labor and district officer the report should include the number of complaints of sexual harassment received in the year number of complaints disposed of during the year number of complaints pending for more than 90 days nature of action taken by the employer and number of workshops or awareness programs conducted against sexual harassment failure to submit the annual report will invite the same penalties as if failure to constitute the ic the employer has a statutory obligation to ensure this report is included in the annual report of the organization filed to the registrar of companies the ministry of corporate affairs through a notification dated july 31 2018 amended the company's accounts rules 2014 by this amendment it is now mandatory to disclose that the company has implemented the provisions of the sexual harassment act it is now compulsory for a company to make a statement in the director's report that it has complied with the provisions regarding the constitution of the ic this amendment comes as a major step towards making the workplaces in the private sector safer for women thereby casting higher responsibility on the board of directors to ensure compliance under the posh laws penal provisions that ensue in case of non disclosure under section 134 of the companies act will now be levied in the matters of non disclosure of the implementation of the sexual harassment act as well so friends we have come to the end of the session and if you like this podcast press the like button and share it with your colleagues and friends thank you